This is the Voice of America coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. Who will win, capitalists or socialists? Are there any other alternatives? This is what we'll deal with in the American Enterprise Manifesto, a book written by Jerry L. Rhodes. The book delves into the possibilities of a third party. Based upon what we've received from the socialists and the capitalists with respect to the evolution of American society and American politics is embodied in the current financial financial situation that we're facing in America. The facts about where we are and where we're going as far as the financial uh, uh, statements for our country, up till now they have been presented to us in a cooked books format. The reality is, is that the current $22 trillion debt Uh, and deficit are understated by $100 trillion because the obligations for pensions, uh, government pensions, Medicare, Medicaid, and certain other uh, entitlement programs are not on the books. They are only recorded as paid. So we don't have uh, a set of financial statements or information that are on the generally accepted accounting basis. It's because we're um, only reporting on an institutional basis, which is limited to a budgetary system of cash disbursements and cash receipts. We're running the government like it was a corner drugstore. Um, so in the book, The American Enterprise Manifesto, I, as a CPA, will map out where we are and where this is taking us financially and politically. America's aging population and reactive healthcare. The boomers are coming into the red zone. This is an expose of the government's dysfunctional healthcare programs. It's about the failure of government run healthcare, the VA debacle and the underfunding of Medicare and Medicaid that's destroying the very fabric of America's healthcare. This is being exacerbated by the baby boomers who are retiring at an unrelenting speed of 10,000 per day filing for social security and applying for Medicare at 7,000 per week into a healthcare system that cannot handle the 15 million currently needing long-term healthcare services. This is exacerbated by the providers being paid for input, not output. The payment method is based on physician encounters, hospital diagnosis codes, prescription drugs, therapy procedure codes, and nursing home admission assessments. They are paid for a picture of the illness, not the actual episode outcome. Thus, no accountability for costs, nor their pricing. The solution is self-health funding, defined as each individual accepting responsibility for their own uh, lifestyle decisions that affect their healthcare costs. It's called SHIFT. S-H-I-F-T, Self-Health Funding Insurance Trust, through withholding from employees' salaries matched by the employers and allowing them to spend the funds on preventive health measures and preservation of their own future health care needs, reduces expenditures for the greater good by 40%, improves quality, and finally starts to measure outcomes. A true free market enterprise consumer-driven system of delivery quality and accountability. Let's be honest with ourselves. We human beings are 
the underlying problem in funding healthcare due to our lifestyles, which are based on habits. And so we have to be the route to solving this problem, which is poor aging lifestyles. Currently up to 46% of the 3.5 trillion, it's now $4.2 trillion is spent uh, per year is spent uh, 70,000 different chronic on 70,000 different chronic disease codes in the last five years of people's lives. This doesn't meet the healthcare needs of the rest of, of the Americans. It's reactive, not preventive, and it's infrastructure. There's 400 to 600 billion dollars of waste in the system due to a lack of accountability to grow the economy, create jobs, and encourage expansion of quality health services, the paradigm has to be shifted. Currently, America is the largest health service provider in the world with the highest per capita cost and is rated number 38 in quality. Not only does the system need to be shifted, the waste must be eliminated and the savings better spent on improving quality, incentivizing wellness, prevention of illness, and preservation of, of each person's health. The new health service industry can cut costs by changing lifestyles and improving America's self-health. My story, 37 years of frontline experience with government-run health care. When I graduated from college, I was recruited by Arthur Anderson and Company in uh, the Chicago office. Arthur Anderson Company being the one of the eight largest accounting firms in the world, and according to the ratings, number one in reputation and uh, reliability. My accounting professor, Myron Sorden, recommended me to them after I was awarded the Wall Street Journal Annual Award to the Outstanding Bachelors of Science and Business Graduate. Little did I know that this was a choice of my lifetime to pursue a career, not just a job, and enable me and my new family to move to the city of Chicago and pursue this opportunity with the number one public accounting firm in the world. I went to the firm's boot camp, not knowing what that meant in terms of what I didn't know versus what I was expected to do in a short period of time. I didn't really know how, nor was I prepared to take the CPA exam since I was a liberal arts graduate, not an accounting major from the University of Illinois. After surviving the four weeks of hell, I was prepared to bring my wife, Sherry, and Christy, our two-year-old daughter, to the city of seven million from our hometown of 5,000. My first assignment, after sitting in the firm's library for only, only a week, I was assigned to an audit and spent the next month running an adding machine, reconciling the bank accounts for a bowling supply company. While there, I was called in and told I was being transferred to the small business division immediately. I couldn't have been happier and began my healthcare consulting career the next week. I was assigned to the Blue Cross Blue Shield account. From day one, August 1st, 1961, I was a healthcare consultant in training for which I had been recruited, a career for path, a career path that would last for 50 years. I was with our AA and Co. for eight years, took the CPA exam, passed it the first time, and became a so-called Medicare expert. When Medicare was passed in June 1964 and AA and Co. was to roll out Medicare to hospitals and skilled nursing homes as uh, for our client, Blue Cross of America, at that time I was doing hospital cost report audits for Blue Cross and inherited the assignment to set up Medicare cost reporting procedures in hospitals. From there, I took a, a job offer from another CPA public accounting firm that had 26 Catholic hospital clients, and I was their Medicare cost report expert. I was made a partner and then was recruited by another CPA public accounting firm to set up their healthcare division. My next move was to start my own public accounting firm, JL Rhodes and Company, and a consulting firm 
manage better operations, specializing in nursing home systems and operations. This led to, <clears throat> to starting a software development company for cost accounting and billing for nursing homes. I was basically too soon with my vision of what the nursing homes needed to be to be competitive with hospitals and set up roads reimbursement systems to capture Medicare money for skilled nursing facilities. When one of my clients needed an on-site administrator, I passed the nursing home administrator exam and became a licensed nursing home administrator. I became a turnaround troubleshooter, fixing troubled decertified nursing homes. And uh, until that time when my wife, son and I purchased three facilities, all troubled and in need of computer systems and management and a reform management philosophy and procedures. After losing a battle to change the regulatory nightmare, we, we sold our three uh, nursing homes and now are authoring our experience and solutions into books for sale and my podcast. I am told by some of my contemporaries it is only a matter of time when the need will catch up with our solutions. Now my readers and listeners will have to judge and help us implement them. This is all chronic, chronicled at www.jerryroadsauthor.com. Healthcare for all. Shift the paradigm to self-health for all a private sector solution for aging Americans and generations X, Y, Z, and beyond. Replace government-run wealth care for, for the few with private health care for all. This enterprise model replaces the Obamacare institutional social medical model that replaces provider incomes with quality outcomes, replaces runaway costs with accountable pricing, replaces pay for treatment with pay for results, replaces ineffective prescription drugs with natural remedies for wellness. And we collectively need to be investing a portion of the three trillion spent per year for prevention and health preservation programs, not just on treatment of chronic illnesses, and poor lifestyle habits. A dollar spent on prevention and preservation of the health of our aging Americans will save the Medicare funding crisis. Those baby boomers born after 1945 and before 1964 will sink the Medicare and Medicaid ship as they draw down their Social Security and Medicare benefits. Medicare and Social Security are not entitlement, but savings for catastrophic illnesses and retirement not to be drained of resources by government borrowing for fighting regime change around the world. By 2046, it is estimated that the Medicare and Social Security insurance programs will pay out more than they have on hand, causing a default situation on those who are drawing and using the current system. And the baby boomers are signing up to Social Security at $10,000, 10,000 a day, and uh, signing up for Medicare at 7,000 per week. A good example is uh, how we are funding healthcare. An unhealthy aging Americans born from 1945 to 1964, just a speed dump, or are they, are they just a speed dump for the American economy, Medicare, Social Security, and healthcare costs? When 70% of our economy is paying for taking care of 40% of the population who are retiring and applying for their social security at 10,000 per day and Medicare at 7,000 per week. And these are not entitlements, they're supposed to be savings accounts that will cover the cost of aging. Is this just a speed bump when we haven't funded the crisis nor Obamacare as the costs escalate? The answer of course is to worry about it when we run out of Medicare and Social Security money and let Medicaid take care of all of it. The famous quote by our 45th president, it won't cost us one dime when uh, Obamacare was passed, 
right, it will cost us three trillion dimes later that we will have to, to borrow from our enemies. Can the GNP, GDP and GNP grow fast enough to even pay the interest on the debt, let alone Medicare for all and free education for all? That, my friend, is a rhetorical question for later generations, not an economic speed bump. The solution is shifting the paradigm to self-health responsibilities for all. A private sector solution for aging Americans. Shift meaning self-health insurance funding trusts. The control of health care will take it away from the government to and directed to the private sector using individual savings accounts withheld from employed Americans and matched by their employer. It's roughly 200 million enterprising Americans. And, and funding it, it's $400 per month for a 30-year employment period at 6% 6 return on that investment. It generates $3 million dollars in current money to pay health care and fitness as well as treatment, thus internalizing costs to the individual who then can hold their uh, choice and providers accountable for cost versus outcome that generates income for those providers of quality services. Then we have something we have never had in the current healthcare health insurance system. Cost accounting for outcomes, not just diagnosis and treatment, which are input uh, uh, services. We then can measure output against input, not just pay for a promise to treat, but a promise to cure and prevent. Then we can measure results by episodes of care, from physician to hospital to nursing home to home care to discharge back home, uh, independent of the system. A paradigm of quality health care outcomes, not just wealth care incomes. Read my books, Elder Side and, and uh, Restore Elder Pride. Uh, and the baby boomers are coming. That chronicles the state of affairs and funding and regulating nursing homes and solutions for fixing the, the goose, the golden goose, the government is killing with bureaucracy by establishing accountability for costs and pricing. This is uh, from chapter five uh, of the book, uh, Healthcare or Wealthcare, Shift the Paradigm to Self-Health, subtitled Prevention of Chronic Disease and Pursue Health Preservation. S uh, the word shift which is shift the paradigm, stands for Self-Health Insurance Funding Trust. In 2012, we spent, Americans spent $2.8 trillion uh, for healthcare services. The breakdown was as follows. Physicians, $600 billion. Hospitals, $900 billion. Nursing homes, $200 billion. Home care, $150 billion. Pharmaceuticals, $650 billion, uh, other uh, $300 billion. <clears throat> But since passing of Part B D for medications in 2014, we spent a, a trillion dollars alone. 80% of those dollars are spent on chronic diseases in the last two years of Americans' lives. All is spent in pursuit of treatment rather than wellness as an outcome. Prevention is an afterthought. Waste is never mentioned nor, uh, <clears throat> nor transparent. Why? Because we are practicing wealth care, not true health care. I'm going to quote from an article by Arthur Garson Jr. Uh, from the October 8, 2008 edition of the Christian Health Monitor. <clears throat> Why we lose $700 billion a year and how to get it back. <clears throat> Here's the math according to Mr. Garson. Our current health care spending is approximately $2.2 trillion, up from $1.3 trillion uh, non-inflation adjusted in 2000. In the year 2020, I'll just give this little insight, it's expected to almost reach $3.5 trillion. 
we waste an estimated one-third or about $700 billion on unnecessary procedures, unnecessary visits to the doctor, overpriced pharmaceuticals, bloated insurance companies, and the most inefficient paper billing systems are manageable. He goes on to say, saving the wasted money can begin with you and, and me. Medical experts say that 40% of of our life expectancy can be attributed to lifestyle. We spend about $100 billion per year on costs related to obesity alone. We must must examine our role in healthcare. How often do patients visit the physician unnecessarily when a call to the nurse would have been fine or rush to get medication for every little cough. We spend 10% of all medical care costs in the last year of life, about $210 billion, uh, much of which is fueled by demands from patients and families. To best understand how to deal with illness, patients need to take care of, take care to make sure the lines of communication are open with their health care provider. Rethinking the way we pay doctors would also help significantly to curb waste. Right now, many doctors have incentive to provide services because they get paid for every one by uh, by treatment, whether an office visit or an operation. In different parts of the country, patients get two to three times as much care for the same disease with with the same result. If doctors practiced in the lower cost way, and parent again with no difference to the patient. Parent, some estimate, some experts estimate fifty billion in savings just on Medicare expenses. Electronic health records are one of the best ways to improve quality and cost of care. They give do- doctors um, instant- instantaneous and the most up-to-date information on how to treat a patient. Some experts estimate fifty billion in savings just on Medicare expenses. Electronic health records are the best way to improve quality and cost and, and efficiency of and cost of care. They give doctors instantaneous and the most up-to-date information on how to treat the patient. To, to continue, uh, experts at ARP estimate that the expenditures will double in the next four years and bankrupt, uh, bankrupt Medicare by 2046. What is the solution? Is it more spending or less waste? Is it more medicating or less chronic disease? If we focus, if the focus was on wellness as an outcome and payment was based on that equation, we would more likely eliminate wasteful prescriptions and damaging, te- and damaging tests that avoid a long-term fitness and nutrition program. Health maintenance as a concept sounded good, but in practice we we did not uh, implement the concept because we did not change the method of reimbursement from diagnosis to outcome, from treatment to health preservation, from passing pills to promoting fitness. Preventative health care to be successful must embrace a payment method that reimburses for results, not what I call inductive processes that now drive treatment, testing, and institutionalization, meaning we hope that the paid-for action will produce results. On the other hand, deductive processes require a care plan based on assessed assessed problems, causes, and goals for improvement or cure. Then payment can be based on the improvements and uh, or prevention not just effort. The American Healthcare Association and other long-term care professional groups are calling for a change to a deductive medicine approach for physicians, hospitals, home care, nursing homes in an attempt to standardize processes and tie payment to performance. Health and Human Services, the healthcare arm of the federal government, also gives support to pay for performance and evidence-based medicine. Yet the clinical professionals and their tradist groups are not supporting this paradigm shift because of the focus on wealth care, not health care. 
Of course, everyone wants a bigger piece of the shrinking pie. My view of how to get get it is PIE, Problem Assessment Intervention and Education and Evaluation of Outcome before we approve a provider's income. W. Edwards Deming, if he were alive today, would be advising us to pursue higher profits by limiting wasteful clinical practices that permeate the wealth care market. Quality control, which is Deming's proven method, is not counting a provider's mistakes and finding providers or rewarding providers for lower incidence of death or uh, or passing aspirin in the emergency room. It is restoring function to the highest level of the elderly, preserving health and preventing chronic illnesses, then discharging successful outcomes back to the community. It is modeling and blueprinting the care level with scientific computer data called AI, not individual art forms of treating symptoms, not not defining causes and then treating. The application of ISO 9000 and 10,000 standards, standardization and the six sigma processes must be applied to the healthcare business or we will all be working to support America's aging population and bigger and bigger institutions. While turning off the faucet to reroute Niagara Falls may seem trite, it is relevant when it comes to moving healthcare to wealth care to healthcare. Today, physicians, hospitals, nursing homes, home care companies do not have to prove outcomes before being getting paid. They are not required by law to have a care plan that that pursues outcome, and they do not have to prove they followed it uh, if the bill is challenged, so, uh, the so-called denied claim. Unlike all other enterprises in America, they are not accountable for what it costs to get the results before they get paid. In fact, they aren't even required to do cost accounting. They get paid on input, not on output. Uh, if we are to ever reroute wealth care to health care, we have to turn off the current faucet, I call it a faucet, of resources and change the method of reimbursement to PI, provider, uh, problem, intervention, and evaluation of outcome. Every provider and American then must pursue their piece of the healthcare pie using the following methods. Uh, first of all, computerized models of care, which would be uh, artificial intelligent models based on archive data from past experience and statistical analytics for determining cause before diagnosis and outcome, uh, end outcome before payment, termed by the bureaucrats as evidence-based medicine and performance-based payment. Then we can need to standardize terminology and methods of care that pursue outcomes throughout the continuum. We need point-of-care delivery and documentation systems capturing the cost of outcomes and how they're priced. We need economies of scale utilizing technology to plan and activate prevention and health preservation as a culture. We need electronic records that organize the care plan and documentation around a restorative model, not a medical or social model. Reimbursement methods that pay for performance utilizing base rates for routine care and add-ons for improved functioning and lowering chronic the de- dependence from chronic diseases. Universal coverage for all Americans funded through the savings by eliminating waste, over-medication, inappropriate testing, rehospitalization of the elderly, and, lim- and eliminating spin-down and telephone orders for nursing homes. Funding of the American healthcare programs needs to be shifted to individual policies paid for through a withholding program for those employed Americans assigning the responsibility to stay healthy to the only level that can attain that, each American. Investment of individual shift funding trusts, savings accounts, 
would be done by newly formed mutual health insurance companies that are owned by the employed American shareholders, then reinvested in the American economy by the mutual health insurance company, professionals, money managers held accountable to return returns that exceed U.S. treasuries. Shift funding of the unemployed and catastrophic costs should re- remain the purview of the current Medicare and Medicaid programs. Then we can eliminate waste through control of quality costs and outcomes that in turn reward those that excel by preventing health, uh, preventing, preserving health, preventing chronic diseases, and discharging more of aging Americans back into the community based home health agencies and avoid uh, the burgeoning cost of nursing home care. President Obama's focus on health care is the number one priority of is admirable, but will not be resolved through policy tweaking, uh, tweaking or buying our way out of the waste. Anyway, you cut it. Anyway, you cut at health care um, or wealth care is big business with governor government as a monopsony is purchasing treatment rather than outcomes. Outcome driven focused on restoring the health of Americans will provide quality and save enough to ensure every American. Continuing. What are the stated national priorities of uh, our uh, new administration in the upcoming 2020 election? I'm speculating it's the economy, it's national security, it's health care, and education. The economy, national security, and education are all all are related to the health of the Americans and our aging population. It touches every individual daily. That is 313 citizen, million citizens and another 20 to 25, 30, 25 to 30 million uh, aliens, uh, undocumented aliens, people experiencing some form of health crisis or intervention every single second of each and every day. Either their parents, grandparents, spouses, children, and themselves are having health problems or death-defying decisions related to their lifestyle, relationships, and future. Conservatively, that amounts to over a trillion incidences every month and over 12 trillion every year on which we spend $3 trillion on a treatment after the fact uh, mode with little, if any, resources spent on preserving, preservation and prevention of diseases that we very likely are, are that, that we very likely cause by our lifestyles and dependence on chemicals. My point is that the health care of America must be the number one priority because nothing else matters if we are not strong enough to protect ourselves or not capable of working due to poor health or cannot think clearly for learning and earning a living. The proof of the poor health of Americans can be anointed, annotated by the obesity statistics, the chronic illness impact on aging. 40% have five or more chronic diseases the 46 million uninsured and the 50 million underinsured Americans, the increase in unemployment rate uh, and the, which now has been turned around. So now we have a decrease and down to three and a half percent unemployed, which is a solution that the new administration has accomplished. The runaway cost of current inefficient and ineffective delivery system of healthcare services. To define what we are and what we are not, give give us a new perspective or solutions. <clears throat> As a country, we're unhealthy. 
We are not taking responsibility for our personal health. We are not internalizing the impact that we have on the cost. We've externalized it because it's paid by someone else. We are wasting valuable resources by pursuing provider incomes. We are not developing systems of quality control and pursuing positive outcomes before we pay. We are paying for treatment because we are paying for treatment, not results. They're inductive approaches versus deductive processes. We are not efficient and effective in the delivery of value-added healthcare benefits. We are overtaxing our youth who are more healthy to pay for the unhealthy. We're taxing and and (laughs) texting, uh, not providing quality health care. We are not saving lives of those that most need it, the aging American. We are bankrupting our future. We are not willing to deal with systemic changes. We are determined to, to fail ourselves. We are not taking steps to preserve health and our national human wealth. Leads to shifting the paradigm. Where should we be and how to get there? Where we should be. We should be a nation of people focused on health preservation. We should be forming economic incentives to stay healthy. The moral incentives uh, usually don't work. The economic incentives do work. We should be standardizing the healthcare processes. <clears throat> we should be computerizing the healthcare processes for each individual when they're admitted to this system and when they're discharged, we archive and, and can capture data for analytics. We should be building the models of quality and flagships of excellence. At this point, there are no flagships in the healthcare uh, business. We should be pursuing outcomes, not just incomes. We should be saving future funds through withholding for long-term care needs by individual. We should be requiring evidence of cause before medicating or treating. We're not doing any root cause analysis, so we don't have any data to, to look to. Uh, The internet is the only source of such information, and it's all historical. We should be reducing the dependence on chemicals and over-medicating the elderly. The elderly in nursing homes are receiving oxycodone, fentanyl patches, and there are probably more uh, nursing home patients that are addicted to drugs than even those on the street. We should be reducing staff turnover, absenteeism, injury and medical errors in the healthcare providers that we're paying. We should be able to ensure all Americans adequately by eliminating waste estimated to exceed 700 billion per year. Over a 10 year period, that would be almost $7 trillion in the next, over the next 10 years. We should be paying for performance at every provider level based on outcome. How do we get there? Develop national health and fitness policies using ISO standardized ISO 9000 or 10,000 structure. Around the world, this has been used to be able to attain efficiency and and, uh, economies of scale and uh, effectiveness of healthcare management. Develop IT systems for integrating outcome-driven processes under a Six Sigma structure to eliminate uh, wasteful errors. Develop procedures for determining cause in the diagnostic stage. Root cause analysis using uh, models of care, AI models of care. Develop care tools and systems that assign the workflow and manage the workload of the healthcare workers. Develop databases for providing evidence for modeling care processes using or based on probabilities and problem assessment. Develop pay for performance criteria based on outcomes with incentives for restorative results, particularly with the elderly. 
develop procedures for setting up quality control IT systems that provide incentives to reduce prescription medications and over-the-counter drugs, reduce rehospitalization, <clears throat> reduce staff turnover, absenteeism, and injuries, reduce the uninsured drain on uh, Medicare and Medicaid, reduce and eliminate spend down in nursing homes to force people on the Medicaid. They spend their assets before they can be covered by Medicaid. Reduce and eliminate telephone orders by physicians. 85% of the, the prescriptions and um, medical orders from physicians are done over the telephone. Develop performance measurement standards for rewarding and reinforcing the providers who perform. Uh, replace CMS enforcement and IRS fear tactics with professional reinforcement standards for each professional provider group to enforce themselves. Develop targets for economic recovery and savings. Utilize personal health profiles for setting targets and measuring results for individual Americans. Utilize personal health savings program for long-term care and health preservation. Utilize tax deductions for fitness and nutritional expenditures. To do this, we need to develop a conversion plan for making the transition and paradigm shift from pay for treatment to pay for <clears throat> results. I'll call that the Niagara Falls method. If the falls, Niagara Falls had to be redirected to avoid a flooding of New York City, we certainly would find a way to turn off the faucet and faucet and redirect the uh, cascading da danger. This analogy may be the be a good formula for for redirecting runway healthcare costs and consumption of $3 trillion that will double in the next 10 years. To do this, I propose turn off the faucet at the source for funding, redirect the payment methods to pay for performance and results, <clears throat> redirect the flow of resources to the providers so they are not deprived of cash nor profits for their businesses, Reinforce the national standards based on professional accountability and limit, eliminate the fear factor from the current pursuit of from the pursuit of quality, utilizing economic incentives to attain the, the moral incentives we seek. This should be and eliminate the fear factor from the pursuit of quality, utilizing economic incentives to attain the moral incentives we seek, which is is uh, better health care, uh, preventing, preserving health care. Stop the academic approach to problem solving by embracing pra practice, embracing practice into the planning and conversion to a new health care preservation system. I continue. Uh, the proposed American Enterprise Healthcare Program shift, which re represents self health insurance funding trust. Number one, there would be a stated healthcare preventive and preservation objectives formalized into a national mutual health insurance policy that requires all employed Americans to have an ownership in the form of preferred stock with shares being purchased from their savings account. Two, federalized withholding program from employed Americans to collect and populate the health preservation savings accounts. Three, mutual health insurance companies as contractors for investing America's Americans health preservation shift shaved savings accounts and paying for each American's desired expenditures for health care, disease prevention, health and wellness expenditures for fitness and nutritional pl uh, plans. Four, each employed American will have an annual standardized health and fitness profile and a plan for preserving wellness and preventing chronic health problems developed for determining their individual rate on their mutual preferred stock holdings. 
five. Mutual dividends are tax exempt as are gains on preferred stock sale where the shareholder is diverting ownership of some of their investment. Six, shift savings. Shift savings accounts are managed by the individual within the parameters of qualified healthcare expenditures, wellness and fitness expenditures, and programs designed to prevent chronic obesity and certain diseases. The savings accounts will accumulate for the use in later years for long-term care services after hospitalization. Any uh, funds left after the death of the uh, shareholder will will be directed to their uh, benefit their uh, beneficiaries. Seven. Medicare Part A in its current form will continue as a safety net for catastrophic hospitalizations and terminal diseases. Medicare Part A. Part B, C, and D would be disbanded. Eight, Medicaid will be federalized as an insurance program and to only cover the unemployed and the indigent. The expenditures would be funded by a special provision in the federal revenue sharing. And finally, the cost of administration of Obamacare. As, as it is now con- conceived. Department of Health and Education, Department of Health and Human Services employs 64,750 and 11 operating divisions with eight distinct agencies with over 300 websites with an annual budget of $800 billion that includes payment of Medicare benefits and Medicaid revenue sharing with the states, even the Indian Health Services employs 15,102 with a budget of 4.3 billion for labor and, and health care benefits paid. See Exhibit C for the misuse of power that the department exerts through the paying agents, uh, the agent paying agent CMS uh, committing government fraud and abuse under the guise of Medicare enforcement by the way they deny claims and um, pursue um, fraud and abuse with the providers. Strategic error of Obamacare, according to the American Association of Medical Colleges with the impact of, of aging Americans we were already going to be facing a shortage of more than 150,000 doctors over the next 15 years, even before Obamacare was passed. Obamacare is just going to make the doctor shortage even worse. In fact, one poll found that 40% of all U.S. doctors plan to get out of the profession over the next three years. Of course, not all of those disgruntled doctors will end up leaving the profession, but even if 10% of them quit is going to create a a medical crisis of unprecedented unprecedented magnitude in this country. And we we are still paying for illness, not prevention of chronic diseases or preservation of, of health through diet, exercise, and better lifestyle habits. Continuing, now I'm going to state the dimming rules applied to healthcare. Healthcare in America is in a financial crisis due to wasteful business practices. What the dimming solution would be is number one, using inductive medical models, model processes utilized by the clinicians. Inductive being, being uh, we, we use deductive processes to determine the cause of the illness and the plan for curing the illness. Two, lack of use of technology to assist in setting up inductive processes. Three, pursuit of treatment without research. Four, pursuit of diagnosis without evidence. Five, pursuit of least invasive approach without a care plan. Six, use of rules, 
rule out theory without determining cause. Seven, quality in indicators and measures are not outcome-based. Eight, payment is for pursuit of treatment, not outcome. Nine, funding by the employer, not the employee. And 10, control of funds by the government, not private business. Healthcare using dimming rules would be entrepreneurial and cost effective. Number one, deductive quality control processes using models of care, AI models of care. Two, using use of technology to access models of care based on problems. Three, pursuit of outcome based on electronic research tools. Four, pursuit of outcomes based on assessment, evidence, and cause in developing the plan of care. Five, payment based on quality of life outcomes for each problem. Six, funding for universal health care done by employee savings accounts. Seven, disbursement of funds by private mutual health insurance companies that invest the savings accounts and pay returns on those accounts. Eight, individual premiums set based on health and fitness profiles. Nine, major tax deductions allowed individuals for fitness, nutrition, uh, natural health remedies for health preservation. Ten, maximum tax deductions for screening for prevention of chronic diseases. <clears throat> how would this, how would this um, transformation be carried out? We call this the deductive processes. <clears throat> Inductive clinical processes are defined as the pursuit of treatment with no known destination. Deductive clinical processes, on the other hand, are defined as setting a destination and pursuing an outcome using a blueprint of care. It starts with an assessment of the patient's problems, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual, using an assessment instrument that is comprehensive and minimal as we have now have with the government tools. Not minimal as we have with the government tools. The use of the NANDA nursing diagnosis problem list cross-tied to the medical diagnosis the ICD-9, 10, and now 11 codes gives us a modeling tool, uh, bar none. Linking the patient's holistic problems to the doctor's medical diagnosis enables the entire process to be standardized. For example, an 85-year-old stroke patient with diabetes, COPD, and hypertension has the following problems. Can't walk, talk, dress, bathe, feed self, nor toilet or groom self. Can't remember sequence. Can't remember sequence thoughts, nor use fine or gross motor skills. Can't ambulate with device or assist and has fear of falling. Can't generate enough strength to reposition self in bed. Can't manage own medications. Can't breathe normally without a device. As a result, is depressed, incontinent, Excuse me, has skin issues, has pain, is overweight, and is combative. The outcome destination, destination is to re-home, return home with spouse. The deficit and outcome measures are related to walking, talking, dressing, bathing, feeding, diet controls, rooming, getting out of bed, ambulating with a walker, remembering room, name, date, and room location, deep breathing, asking to go to the toilet with a system one, and complying with diet and taking of medications. These are all called activities of daily living, ADL, ADLs. If we are practicing inductively, the staff is directed by getting things done for the patient, making the beds, keeping the room clean, <clears throat> and uncluttered, clean and uncluttered with the nurses passing medications and doing skin treatments. The routine is focused on keeping the patient fed, a controlled diet, clean and dry, along with the avoidance of further skin breakdown. Therapies have their own plan with separate responsibilities of providing short-term treatments until they're subjectively decided that patients has reached their potential. 
Then they return back to the nursing department for activity of, of daily living maintenance. Also, there is an attempt to involve the patient in activities and religious functions. The last thought is to plan on discharge or independence because this is not, and I've got parents, outcome goal. Unfortunately, this is the practice of the typical long-term care facility. If we are practicing deductively, the patient is directed by the interventions that are planned to restore the patient to his or her highest level of functioning for discharge back home with the spouse. How would that impact care? First, we would have a problem list. And the problem list would be walking, talking, dressing and grooming, bathing, toileting, reality orientation, depression, skin breakdown, respiratory problem, medication management, pain management, and non-compliance with diet. And then we would have a current assessment level. And in this case, they would all be, the deficit level would be four. And the goal for outcome, and in the case of walking, it would be uh, take them from a four to a one, and progress would be three. Well, to get the patient of uh, current status, status of all of these problems total uh, in the deficit column as 48, and the goal would be 14, and, and, and the, the progress would be 30. These are 12 distinct problems with 12 distinct outcome goals. To be able to measure the deficit progress and the goal, we will use numerical scales promulgated by the government's minimum data set, resident assessment instrument. So if this patient is to go home, they have to get from the four, which is total dependence, progressively to to a three, extensive assistance required, to a two, minimum assistance required. Number one, they are then just in a supervisory mode, and zero would be total independence. So the the outcome would be a progressive improvement from four to three to two to one over a period of of time for whatever it takes. After 30 days of therapy, 14 days of low rehab nursing, and 30 days of restorative programming, patient is cued to perform this themselves. The patient has progressed from a 48 totally dependent to a 30, which is still about halfway to the expected outcome of 14. 30 would be would equate to extensive assistance while 14 would require some professional supervision at home with a home care aid and oversight by oversight by a skilled nurse when the patient goes home. Obviously the patient requires more intensive skill services. 74 of the 100 day benefit from under Medicare Part A has been exhausted with 26 remaining. The prognosis is all goals will be met by day 100. If that is not accomplished, then Medicare Part B is the available limited services and skilled nursing restorative programs can be continued and paid for under long-term care insurance, private funds, and Medicaid at home. Deductive systems. If the nursing home had 100 patients that have a combination combination of chronic diseases along with with medical problems that are being treated at the hospital, it is impossible to manage the care without a very functional care planning system that focuses on outcomes, not paperwork and, in, and income. The design of such systems typically have been left up to the clinicians who do not think deductively. In, in medical nursing and therapy schools, most of the time is spent on how to pursue treatment, not outcomes, until the focus in medical and and emotional training is driven by the pursuit of outcomes, the schools will continue to graduate a good part of the problem. I continue. 
Under the deductive systems, care plans should be the center of the clinical world. Deductive programming forces the processes to be thought through and irrelevant procedures eliminated. For example, why would all patients receive vital signs, head-to-toe assessments, and checklist care whether they need it or not and have their urinary skin, exercise, companionship, life interests, and life interests ignored? Why? Because the facility gets paid whether the patient gets better or not. Nursing homes are not a housing alternative. They are medical service. They are a medical services business, and they take money for the purpose but rarely deliver it. Even though it is a regulatory requirement that every patient have a functioning care plan, it does not require that it be efficient, productive, and quality-driven. The staff knows it isn't. The families know it isn't. The surveyors know it isn't. So why not make make it a dimming rule that the system be fi- fixed so the staff can like their jobs, stay and get something productive done each day. This is where outcome means income. The perfect system that I will call a case management system puts the patient's problems in the forefront and the outcomes in the, in the back front. What must we do to get the uh, uh, persons restored to their highest level of functioning so, so they can have a, a quality of life? Is that too much to expect for 150 to $750 a day? That is $4,500 to $16,500 a month, and that is $54,000 to $198,000 per year. Come on, there is no excuse for not providing what the patient needs to be restored to their highest level of functioning. Case management, in fact, does what was proposed in the explanation of deductive processes. It produces results for for the money. It is not the reason for doing it. It is the result of doing it. Case managers, nurses, or therapists can fix all the defects in the nation's nursing homes if allowed to organize the care into manageable units of service measured by units of outcome. It is simple as that. It It is top management responsibility to let the staff do it. Electric, electronic research tools. Every computer today has access to vast research tools. The internet, you can Google it and you will find an answer. But most providers would rather be told what to do and what they can't do rather than look, up, look it up and make an interpretation that helps their caseload. Pursuit of outcomes which would be quality of life. Research in healthcare must relate to determining cause of problems, not just symptoms. Typically, the clinician is not tapping into the electronics search engine for help on determining the root cause of the problem, leaving much to guess. It is my opinion that we must perform the care so we know what to, we we must perform the care we so we know what the, to perform and and when. And that doesn't make sense. It is my position that we must perform the care so we know what to perform and, and when. If the cause is not determined and the outcome is not predictable, then the care is still an art form. Anyone can do it. When the cause is determined and an outcome predictable, the care is the science and only a professional can do it. Quality of life for an aging society is much different from sports injuries or drive-by shootings. The elderly are suffering from a multitude of ailments that are uh, determined by genetics, lifestyle, drug use, and habit patterns. Until each individual is personally responsible for the cost of the care, they don't really care about the costs. It's paid by someone else. To control costs is an individual equation not an enforcement or containment issue. The healthy American is, a co- is, is cost-effective, is a cost-effective American. They don't sop up billions of dollars in chronic episodes for the ER. They don't swallow p- billions of dollars in pills that are all, all have side effects. They don't spin down and become wards of the state the rest of their lives. They don't suffer from depression, alcoholism, drugism, etc. 
So outcome starts with the income of each individual American. If they can see an economic benefit in their pocket today for staying healthy, they will make the effort. If someone else is paying the bill, they will procrastinate into the ER. Funding. Who has to pay the bill? That's the $4 trillion question. By 2010, we will be spending 30% of gross national product on health care if we don't stop. And in 2020, it's 40% if we don't stop the guessing game and wasteful business practices. The politicians all want someone else to pay the bill while they have their cushy health care coverage. The Republicans propose that every American be their own insurance company, and the Democrats propose the government increase taxes so they can be the payor of last resort and and results in increased health care costs. While the Democrats say, what about the waste in the system? If the six, seven hundred billion per year in resources wasted were preserved, there would be enough money. And if there is enough money, you can bet we have enough staff time being wasted to get it all done in record time. All it takes is dimming like leaders.